The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. We're right here with you on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot for listening and for being uh, uh, very loyal. Uh, been here a number of years now. And across the state of Mississippi and around the globe on the internet. And uh, we thank you for uh, supporting us. And we really want to uh, thank the support of our sponsors. Couldn't do it without you. So Bubba, you think it's good for a person to have a hobby? Yes. Why? I do, without a doubt. Um, it keeps you active. It keeps you involved. It keeps you uh, learning new things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got several hobbies that I don't get to do quite enough. Okay. Uh, let's talk about those that you get to do a uh-huh. fair amount of time. You know, if we looked at an average month, Bubba gets to do this hobby at least once or twice. So, again, not as much as I'd like, mm-hmm. right? Especially now. Um, you know, they, they say that the two greatest days in, in your life are the day that you buy a boat and the day that you sell a boat. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. I have sold a boat. Oh, so I'm recently? Cur- recently, oh. I'm currently without a boat, but I enjoy the water, and I like being on the water, anything water-related, right. uh, that sort of thing. Uh, so like that's... Sailboat, pontoon... Sailboat, what? pontoon boat, speed boats, okay. uh, jet skis, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at, even uh, small one-man sailing vessels, okay. right? Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, sunfish, yeah. basically yeah. a surfboard with a sail on it, gotcha. right? I yeah. like all that. You like all that. And and I enjoy it. Um, and you and get to do it a little bit. I do. Okay. Uh, and uh, and get to do it with family, which okay. which is also Expose fun. Expose your children to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, right. Maybe selling the boat at this time with, uh, you know, fuel prices the way they are <laughs> everywhere and especially on the water. Yeah, Might have been, yeah, yeah right. kind of fortuitous, I right. guess. Right, right. Worked um, out well for you. But, yeah, you know, I like being on, on or in or near the water. All right, so you have done sailboats. Mm-hmm. All right, you've yeah. done them uh, U.S. waters, international waters. Yeah, both, okay. correct. Yep. All right, and you've been in charge of where we're going in yeah. this sailboat. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so let's just say that, you know, you're between one island in the British Virgin Islands mm-hmm. and another. Right. And you've got about 15 miles between mm-hmm. them. And you get up in the morning and it's clear. Yeah. I mean, the sun is shining, mm-hmm. a little bit of a breeze, and you think, hey, I can get the sails up. It'd be great. Right. All this has happened mm-hmm. to you before? It has. Okay. And you're out there with your friends and family, mm-hmm. and you take off between this island and the next one. Right. All of a sudden, a cloud appears. Yeah. Has that happened? It has. All right. Do you leave your sails in the same position they were in 45 minutes ago when it was all sunny and breezy? Yeah, so usually not. Oh, really? Yeah, usually not. If it's a light storm, just a little rain rain event or whatever, mm-hmm. then uh, uh, then you can leave things as they're set and that because sort of thing. Because the sails are helping you... Matriculate the, on from one place to the other, right? The sails are the power for your vessel. Okay. 
The sails are what make you go forward in the water. And it's using the wind that is out there. That's right. All right. But if the winds change, Mm -hmm. you have to change your sails? So there, there are uh, these things called points of sail, okay. right? right? And basically what that means, and, and you can think of it this way, if the wind is coming straight across your bow, okay. right, straight at you, okay. you can't sail directly into the wind because your sail is not catching any of the wind. All right. It's just blowing right by it. Okay. So you've got to move and, and do something called tacking okay. back and forth. Okay. So you're sailing at an angle adjacent to the wind uh, so that your sails catch the wind and, and therefore propel you forward. So you need to understand so you, trigonometry a little bit? A little bit. Okay. Yeah. All you right. know, but right. you know, you've got uh, generally uh, 30 to 40 degrees that you can't sail directly into the wind. Okay. Okay. All right. The rest of everything else behind you, you can use. So you, you can start at, uh, say, 15 degrees, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if you've got, you know, a, a quartering uh, headwind, right? Mm-hmm. And then anything from a, a wind that would come from any direction all the way around uh, to about 345 degrees. So you can move that sail around and all of a sudden whip your boat oh, just yeah. because mm-hmm. the, you caught another wind or, right. or the wind in a different yeah. angle, mm-hmm. right? Right. Okay. Now, the reason I ask all these questions is because I'm going to make an analogy right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you say that, uh, you know, if Phil, Daddy Warbucks, Phil Womack, our executive producer, sitting over there smiling at us right now, it, it, you, let's say if he had a million dollars and it was invested, mm-hmm. all right, anything that keeps him from going straight up is a headwind. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he could buy a stock and it could go to a million dollars. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. It's probably not very possible. Probably mm-hmm. doesn't happen that often. And there are a number of headwinds mm-hmm. in the stock market and and the economy sure. at any given time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one headwind that you could have would be maybe government policies or taxes. Right. Uh, there there may be headwinds in certain uh, industries. Inflation might be one. Uh, all yeah. these are headwinds that yeah. could possibly mm-hmm. coming out. One that I see people from time to time put on themselves. Now, if you're out there on that sailboat, you want as little uh, resistance as you can get to get from point A to point B, right? Right. That's right? correct. I mean, yeah. you want as much assistance as you mm-hmm. can from these winds to help you get from here mm-hmm. to there. It wouldn't be very smart for you to add something to you that would pull you down or pull you back. Right. Okay. One of the things I see people do and I think it's one of the, if you had a seven, a list of seven deadly sins mm-hmm. uh, related to volatility and return in the stock market, one of the things I see is uh, uh, people, you know, they, tr- they think they're smart, and so they think they're going to OPM, use other people's money. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy this on margin. Yep. All right? Mm-hmm. Now, initially, that sounds easy. Well, let's, let's talk about what margin is first. Yeah. Uh, in this case, Daddy Warbucks over here, Phil, has a portfolio worth a million dollars already invested, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And there is a way to collateralize that or borrow money against his invested money. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he's got a million dollars invested, and yeah. whatever the brokerage firm is or, or an investment uh, company mm-hmm. is where his, his accounts are held, mm-hmm. will extend him a line of credit on that mm. typically in the neighborhood of about 50 percent so he could go out and borrow another five hundred thousand dollars on that million dollar portfolio Ooh, yeah. and invest that 
in yeah. in like stocks. And that's five hundred thousand dollars. He didn't have to come up with Bubba. That's right. He's other people's money. Mm-hmm. He's a smart tycoon. Yeah. We're gonna go to break. And when we come back from break, we're going to talk about why Greg thinks that a lot of times that's one of the seven deadly sins Mm -hmm. that people use in their asset management, especially in volatile times. Here from the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners Bubba Labus, and yours truly Greg Cooley with you right here on Super Talk Radio. So we're talking about some things that just from my experience, I'd say are deadly sins that I see people make with their portfolios, but also in the midst of volatility, this really comes home to roost. So uh, go back to our discussion, Bubba, about this margin. Uh, Phil had a million dollars, and it was a million dollars worth of his money and a million dollars worth of wonderful investments, maybe well diversified. Maybe over the last few years they've performed well for him. Maybe he's even taking an income from the dividends out of this million dollars. Life is good. And suddenly he gets a hot stock, mm-hmm. and he wants to buy another stock. Or but more. he still likes everything else that he has, oh, or would have tax implications if he sold what he yeah. had to buy something else. Yeah, he needs to come up with some cash mm-hmm. quick, Yeah, because this, this deal may pass him. Mm-hmm. And he finds out about this margin yep. that the brokerage firm that holds his million dollars mm-hmm. will extend to him. Right. It's basically credit, isn't it? It is. It's exactly what it is. Okay. And they may go It's up, a loan. It's a loan. Or they'll go up to 40 to 50% of his present invested portfolio. In our mm-hmm. example, he went and bought $500,000 mm-hmm. to buy this greatest tip. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, what's he plan? What's his? What's the whole strategy here from his point of view? What's he think? He thinks that now he has more shares mm-hmm. and other shares that are going to outperform, mm-hmm. and he's going to make a buku amount of money. Okay. All right. Um, but he borrowed five hundred thousand. He borrowed five hundred thousand dollars to yeah. do this. To do this, he's betting that the Let, borrowed. Let's say that the the new investment that he made mm-hmm. did well. Okay. Okay, and let's and his say his plan worked. And his plan worked. Okay. Right. Work me through that. So uh, he he puts another five hundred thousand dollars into an investment, mm-hmm. and that investment goes up, mm-hmm. and the likelihood or the idea is that at at some point. He will sell mm-hmm. what he bought mm-hmm. and either leave whatever remaining shares in order to clear up the margin loan. Okay. So let's say that he bought five hundred thousand dollars worth and it goes to seven hundred and fifty thousand that investment. Mm-hmm. So he's two hundred fifty thousand dollars to the good, yes, right? So right. he sells five hundred thousand dollars worth of that investment, pays off the margin loan, mm-hmm. pays off a little bit of interest, mm-hmm. and he's got two hundred and fifty thousand dollars more. Yeah. In that particular. And it was boom. Boom. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that came out of nowhere, right? From the good Lord, yep. fell out of the clouds, mm-hmm. whatever. And he didn't have to put up any money, right? He thinks. Mm-hmm. But what if it doesn't work? Well, if it doesn't work, that's where uh, the scenario gets really bad really quick. Okay, work me through that. Okay, so uh, I'm just going to u- use some rough numbers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Million dollar portfolio. Mm-hmm. Phil goes out and borrows half a million dollars against that portfolio. So now he has a million and a half invested. Mm-hmm. And we've got a downturn in the economy, a downturn in the stock market, whatever it is. And let's say it's 20%. Okay. Okay. So now he's he's uh, got a million and a half do- uh, thousand uh, or million and a half dollar mm-hmm. portfolio mm-hmm. that is down $300,000. 
20% of one and a half is, is so he's at 1.2, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Boom. And the brokerage firm's saying, look, you know, we got to have our interest covered here. You've got to do a margin call or you've got to come up with some more cash okay. in order to come back within the requirements of 50%. Oh, so he has to maintain the, right. the loan mm-hmm. as fifty percent of his balance. Right. So he had a loan of five hundred grand mm-hmm. against a million dollars. That's now right. it's one point two. Does he have to have six hundred grand? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Woo. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he doesn't come back right. with that, then he needs to sell some stock to make up. The difference for the five hundred thousand, right? Mm. So not only does he have to sell five hundred thousand dollars, right? So now he's down to seven hundred thousand dollars because the one point two went to seven hundred. Yeah, but he's and there was only a twenty percent drop in the stock market in his personal cat or his personal investment and his personal investments, which would have gone down to eight hundred if he had left everything alone, right? But now he's down to seven hundred. Now he's down to seven hundred. It's actually a thirty percent decrease in his overall portfolio. Uh-huh. So the way I like to describe margin to folks, uh, and 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 sometimes uh, people would get this a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, with margin, uh, you can build a house right. if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to have a lot of sore thumbs from banging a hammer into your thumb, Absolutely. right? I've also heard uh, margin described this way. Here, catch this falling knife. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I'd like to do, and I'm going to do this, because uh, we love facts mm-hmm. and we love statistics here. We're numbers people. I, I'm going to go back and see what percentage of margin, margin mm-hmm. accounts yep. Balance uh, and, and people who have activated margin in their account. What percentage of, uh, percentage of them actually work? Before you do that, I want to say where I think margin helps. Okay. So there is some legitimate use of this. I think there's some, some very legitimate reasons or uses for margin. Okay. Uh, in a fixed income portfolio, and you, maybe you want to leverage that in some form or fashion, that's, that's kind of above and beyond the scope that I want to get into mm-hmm. here today. Mm-hmm. But uh, margin comes in handy uh, to facilitate tr- fat, uh, uh, cash transactions. Okay. All right. So in this case, let's say that Phil has a million dollar portfolio. It's all invested. And he needs $50,000. Real quick. Real quick. Okay. Right? right. Well, we can go ahead and send him out fifty thousand dollars on margin, mm-hmm. and we know that this loan is only going to be out there for a matter of a week or two weeks, uh-huh. not a long period of time. Okay. It facilitates the cash transaction. Mm-hmm. He either comes up with cash to repl- repay it, or okay. we we strategize on what he needs to sell in order to to cover that margin balance. And, and it's almost like getting a loan without having to go to a bank and do right. all the paperwork. Right. Okay, it, and it's and it's very quick. It's very expedient, and mm-hmm. in many cases, will allow an individual to access their capital mm-hmm. basically immediately, mm-hmm. and and not have to deal with the ramifications of oh, what do I need to sell, and do I need to wait on settlement to Especially get the money? Especially when the market's down. Especially when the market's you know, I down. I really don't want to sell right, right now when my my, you know, my portfolio mm-hmm. is down twenty percent. Right, I'll pay eight or ten percent to the the mm-hmm. brokerage 
firm right. and, and mm-hmm. wait or, you know, uh, and sometimes it's a deal where I need the $50,000 and I need to pay my brother-in-law mm-hmm. to be able to do something, but then he's going to give me my $65,000 back because right. we're going to sell that boat, that sailboat. Yep. But we had to have cash. There's a, a lot of times that it doesn't. I, so I, I do, I, I don't want to just throw margin no. out the window and say that it's terrible because no. it's not. No. Uh, but I think for those individuals that, that know how to use margin and use it appropriately, right. as with any debt, I think yeah. if they use it appropriately, it's okay. The, the thing that I want to point out related to one of the deadly sins mm-hmm. in a volatile market related to margin for people is sometimes people have done it and they forgot it mm-hmm. because it's working well yep. and they haven't had a margin call. The other thing is that... Um, they they under, they need to understand when the market goes down, it exacerbates it. Right, makes it even worse. You go mm-hmm. from going down twenty percent to down thirty yeah. percent mm-hmm. in our our uh, example over there. So related to margin and related to volatile markets, especially on the downside, I just want to warn you about any margin balances. If you're one of those mm-hmm. people out there, the other thing is you need to have a little cash. Right, always mm-hmm. have a little cash. Because maybe then, if you had a little cash, you wouldn't have to use the margin at all if you needed the fifty grand. Right. In our example, mm-hmm. if you got a, a million dollars, you ought to have fifty thousand dollars somewhere in That's cash, right. uh, just just based on principle. All right. Here's another thing related to uh, and not stuffed in the mattress. Not either. stuffed in yeah. the mattress, but you know, accessible to yeah. you, uh, maybe working for you in some mm-hmm. way in a money market or something. Right. Um, so uh, while we're on this subject of things that people, uh, we experience people doing wrong in volatile markets, let's talk about selling your winners and holding your well, losers. You were going to talk a minute ago about, um, the percentage of folks. Yeah, who I'm actually... going to look that up and we're going to come okay. back on another show because okay. that just popped in my head and I thought, you know, I wonder what percentage of, it, mm-hmm. uh, of those margin transactions actually work for Right. People. All right. So... Uh, Let's talk about selling your winners and and, mm-hmm. and and holding on to your losers. This is a psychological thing yeah. we see people do. Nobody wants to admit they're wrong. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. I really saw this a few years ago in this particular state, in Mississippi, with a company called WorldCom. Mm-hmm. All right? It had done really well, right. SkyTel and mergers and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, on television and the CEO was on CNBC a whole lot. Right. It was bringing a lot of jobs to this state mm-hmm. and everything seemed to be great. And it started to go down a little bit, but everybody believed. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. What we see a lot of times when the market gets volatile is that people don't want to admit that they're wrong or that anything's wrong with maybe a favorite mm-hmm. they have in their portfolio. And so if they need some money, uh, they leave that one that's not doing very mm-hmm. well alone because it's going to come back, Bubba. Right. Yeah. It's always come back. And I'm going to sell one or two of these over here that done really well mm-hmm. if I need any cash. And, uh, you know, I, I never can go broke taking a profit. That's right. These others over here have been great. I'm going to hold on to this mm-hmm. other one. And and there's a certain reason to hold on sometimes mm-hmm. because you have to grin and bear it and hold your nose right. if you own quality. Right. But there's also a reason to get rid of some things yeah. that are stinkers, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And I got to get past this psychological thing of not wanting to admit mistakes mm-hmm. or not wanting to admit something didn't work. I, I think we just need to remind people 
to let your winners run sometimes yep. and just cut your losses. Mm-hmm. Is it easy for people to cut losses? Absolutely not. No, we're going to talk about that and a couple of other things we see people do in volatile markets here from the Advisors Roundtable after this break. Come back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners Cooley and Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio discussing some of the things that we do wrong sometimes in volatile markets. We get psychological, we get emotional, we get uh, concerned. Uh, we hear people talking. We hear so-called experts telling us there's a recession and a crash coming, and we do things. Now, many times we feel like we need to do something. You need to do something, Bubba. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if there was a robber on your front porch there to ransack your house and take your stuff and hurt your family, yeah. yeah. You need to do something, mm-hmm. right? And do we get in that kind of mode sometime with our money? We get defensive like that. We get scared, just like there's a robber on the front porch. Yeah, and and I think it um, because money is such an emotional topic for individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, they let emotion cloud their judgment, mm-hmm. and it, and they mm-hmm. they let it make them do something. Right. So they feel like they're addressing. Mm-hmm. Had a lady, you know, a few years ago, we had this thing uh, called the housing crisis and a lot of stuff went on, a really bad, deep recession. The stock market went down 50%. Mm-hmm. And that's not 50 years ago or right. 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's within the last 15 years. That's right. That happened. We lived through it. We mm-hmm. got through it. We were okay. It wasn't easy. We, we, yep. But... At the time, she felt like she had to do something. Mm -hmm. So she took money and went and bought her some silver. Yeah. She had to do something. Right. And had to do something that would be protected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're one of those people out there who feel like you have to do something, you may not Mm -hmm. have to do something. If you own quality and your goals haven't changed. Right. Maybe it's just okay to stand pat. Mm-hmm. But does it, doesn't that seem lily-livered and, ch- and chicken and, and uninformed, Bubba, and, and yeah. that I'm not doing something to fight mm-hmm. the guy on the, on the front porch? Yeah, it does. But they're not the same. They, they are absolutely not the same. Is a, a time of volatility in the stock market necessarily a threat to your long-term goals? I think a time of volatility in the stock market is actually an opportunity for your long-term goals. Oh, really? Just like you said before the last commercial break, you know, if you've got an an investment portfolio, you need to have cash, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And what's that cash for? Mm -hmm. Well, the cash is for emergencies. Mm -hmm. It can also be used to to buy other investments, right? Uh, and I remember having this conversation back during the time of, of, of COVID, you know, mm-hmm. February and March when, uh, you know, things were beginning to shut down, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, you know, I think that, that right now this is the buying opportunity of the decade. Mm-hmm. Right. And we were in 2020, mm-hmm. which is the beginning of the decade. Mm-hmm. And, and I made that prediction. Mm-hmm. It worked out well mm-hmm. for individuals. Right. If they did. If they did. All right. 
Now, you know, we're two years later, mm-hmm. uh, two and a half years later, mm-hmm. uh, and we've, we've had another correction in the stock market. Mm-hmm. I don't know that now is another buying opportunity or what I could call the buying opportunity of the decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's but cheaper than it was six months ago. It's much cheaper than it was six months ago. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a long-term investment horizon, mm-hmm. now might be some, uh, a good time to consider what you're investing in. So if I have to do something... Mm-hmm. Maybe selling and getting it out, out and going to cash is not the something right. I need to do. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Maybe buying more is what you need to do, oh. which is the hardest thing oh. to do, right? Oh. You take a look at your investment portfolio and you, or, or, or whatever it is that you've got invested. Maybe your 401k and you see mm-hmm. that the account value is down 20%. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest thing to do is to put more money into something that's down. And you think you're you're mm-hmm. associated with losers, right? Well, even the best stocks. You know, if we mm-hmm. looked over here at Daddy Warbucks, Phil. We know yeah. he owns everything, mm-hmm. and he's got all of this experience. And we were to ask him, what are the four or five stocks that have been best to you over the last fifty mm-hmm. years? And he gave us a list of those. Did every one of them go up over the last fifty years? No, just straight up. No, they just didn't. Just a straight line mm-hmm. from when he bought them fifty years ago. Did they? No. Even the best ones. Even the best ones. Even the ones he's in love with. Mm-hmm. Huh? So every one of your greatest one, your the one your best idea mm-hmm. has always had times when it was a better buy. In fact, I bet some of those uh, companies, even over that period of time, even flirted with bankruptcy. Ooh. Or had to do a merger. Or had to do a merger. Or had yeah. some negative press. Mm-hmm. Huh? Right. Yeah, maybe somebody the, the the press didn't like a CEO, or they mm-hmm. the press didn't like a certain product, or uh, one of the employees did something crazy. Sure. Everybody's had that mm-hmm. in their life, even the best ones. Right. And you're saying now could be a buying opportunity. Very well, could be. All right. So let's ask ourselves. If you're sitting out there and you're listening to us mm-hmm. and you think, well, Bubba makes sense there, what would tell us that something is a buying opportunity? First of all, what are my goals? What is your diversification mix? Right. Do you need more stocks mm-hmm. in your diversification mix? See, what I see many people make as a mistake here is they ignore diversification when things get rough. Yep. All right? Mm-hmm. You remember the fangs? F-A-N-G-S. What does that stand for? Uh, Facebook. Yeah. Apple. Apple. Amazon. Netflix. Netflix. Google. Google. Right? Right. If you put all of it together, it it spelled the word fame. Mm -hmm. And so people just, for a period of time, they forgot about diversification. I just want those. They're going straight up. Those Mm -hmm. are the best stocks. Yeah. Well, they're good stocks. They've been pretty Mm -hmm. nice over the last few years. But... Didn't you also need to have some manufacturers? Right. Didn't you also need to have some consumer Mm -hmm. staples? Didn't maybe you also need to have a CD or a bond in there? Didn't you need to have that in your diversification mix? But Phil may say. Look at where we've been with the price of oil over Mm -hmm. the last two years. Mm -hmm. Within the last two years, oil went negative. There was a time when they were basically giving (laughs) it away. Right. You didn't have to buy it. Yeah. Oil was negative, and since that time, oil, what is it today, 120, 130 a barrel? Yeah. 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 Within yeah. a two-year time span. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. just one product. 
That's, that's just one industry right. that has had multiple swings mm-hmm. in it. And so maybe you needed some of that in your portfolio. Right. As opposed to just concentrating on the fangs. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, as I said, I'm not against the fangs. Just using that as an extreme example of how many times I see people get uh, away from diversification. Now, I, isn't the... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, many times I, I see individuals come in and they think they're diversified mm-hmm. when they actually aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the fangs bring up a, a really good example of that, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you, you're talking about Facebook, Amazon, Apple, mm-hmm. Netflix, mm-hmm. Google, mm-hmm. kind of tech-centered, right? Mm-hmm. What percentage of the S&P, mm-hmm. on a weighted basis, do those individual stocks make up? Mm-hmm. And it's pretty high. Uh, I'd, I'd venture a guess to say it's probably in the 15% range. I'd say so, too. So if, if an individual comes in and they own those stocks, mm-hmm. and then they own the S&P 500, mm-hmm. they've kind of got a double whammy going on where they own the yep. same thing in a different yep. investment. Yep, yep, absolutely. That happens a lot. And, and that's a very easy example to explain when people say, well, I've got six different holdings. I own the S&P 500, and I own these other five stocks over here. Mm-hmm. When, in actuality, they've kind of doubled up with the, with the six holding. Yeah. We see a lot of overlap, mm-hmm. don't we? Right. Uh, and, you know, husbands and wives do this when they're comparing their 401K. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't want her to beat him. Right. She doesn't want to be, you know, uh, her 401K to perform less than his. And so what they do is they, they, they tend, when they go in there and rebalance their, for, their, their, yep. their things, they, they'll say, they'll, they'll tell their advisor or maybe their sponsor at work, they'll say, you know, my husband, he owned this mutual fund last year and it did 14%. Yeah. And, and, and so I need that too. Right. Well, what, from a family basis, what have we mm-hmm. done? You've just doubled up your holdings. You have. Yeah. And gotten more concentrated. Very concentrated. Yep. Now, isn't the whole point just to make more money, Bubba? Isn't the whole point just to make more? And if I have to have the fangs mm-hmm. to, to make more money, you have your diversification. Many times it's not about what you make. It's about what you keep. Mm-hmm. So again, Especially in times of volatility. Especially in times of volatility like we've had over the last six months. Mm-hmm. So we've had a, a 22% correction in the stock market over the yeah, last six as months. As of yesterday, yeah. As of yesterday, okay. it's, it's bear market territory, oh, you know, the blood in the streets. Yep, and, yep, yep. you know, you, yep. you, you watch the news and you think, oh, you know, there's no coming back from this. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah we've never been here before. Right. Why Since 1929, there have been 22 or 23 other times that we've done this. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and I'm just going to name over the last 20 years, mm-hmm. Y2K. Yep. 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katrina. Right. Uh, the housing crisis. Mm-hmm. The Great Recession. Yep. Uh, COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that, that's just the last 20 years. Don't right. act like this hasn't happened before. Right. Don't act like you haven't seen this movie mm-hmm. before. But oh, it's fresh today. It is. We have a thing called recency bias. We do. And whatever you know, the cut is that is the one that is is recent. That's the one that hurt me more than any of them. Mm-hmm. But you got a six inch scar on your left cheek. Yeah. That came from the bar fight back in the nineteen seventies. Mm-hmm. You don't remember how that how much that hurt. Right. Because what you're hurting today with mm-hmm. the fresh one. That's right. 
So don't let recency bias talk you into not being logical. And diversification is very mm-hmm. logical. We're going to come back and continue to talk about asset allocation in the midst of volatility from the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you. We're talking about some things that I need to keep in mind related to volatile markets. Maybe some things I don't want to do or some things I try to uh, talk myself uh, out of doing or into doing uh, because I keep my eye on the future. Here's an, another of the mistakes I find, Bubba, that people ignore the fundamentals of the companies that they are invested. Mm-hmm. So I'll go back to our example earlier on where Daddy Warbucks, Phil, our executive producer over there, his million-dollar portfolio, and he had a reason to buy the things that were in there in the mm-hmm. first place, right? Right. He had a reason to buy that energy company. He had a reason to buy that tech company. He had a reason to buy that consumer staples company in the first place. If the stock market has a correction and his uh, particular stocks go down 20%, does that mean that the management of his companies are 20% dumber? No. Does that mean they made 20% bad decisions this year? Mm -mm. Does that mean he needs to get out? Not necessarily. Why did he buy them in the first place? Right. What were the fundamentals mm-hmm. of those companies? Why did he like them? Maybe they did something really well. Maybe they made a w- really great product. Maybe they continue to. Yeah. Unless unless the fundamental basis for buying those securities mm-hmm. was skewed in the first place. Oh, tell me about that. So I, I'm going back to the 2000s here, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the dot-com era. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember hearing one individual say, well, my investment strategy is to buy the stocks that have the highest P.E. there is. That's the price earnings rate. Price to earnings. That means that they have the highest price with the lowest amount of earnings. And why was that a strategy? That was a strategy because they thought that the price would keep going up. Uh, Right? uh, But that didn't work out so well. So that was... uh, paying attention to uh, skewed fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Right. Not real mm-hmm. business school. Yeah. I'm making this decision because it makes sense financially fundamental. So let's let's get back to the fundamentals that I think are important. Yeah. Why does anybody own an investment? Why did Phil invest this a million dollars yeah. in the first place? And I've said this time and time again, and I can't beat the drum loud enough. Mm-hmm. People own investments for income. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a dividend, whether they've got trees that they're going to cut later on, whether they've got rental homes uh, or rental apartments that they're they're getting rent from, it's all about income. Mm-hmm. It's either income now or income later, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you own a portfolio uh, that is not producing much income now, mm-hmm. you want that to grow so that you can convert it to an income-producing portfolio later. Okay, so when he made these investments, now let in our example, mm-hmm. let's say there everything was worth a million dollars yep. before the market had mm-hmm. its volatility. Let's say that he paid five hundred thousand dollars fifteen right. twenty years ago for these, mm-hmm. and he made good fundamental investments sure. because he thought, hey, along the way mm-hmm. they're going to pay me dividends, which is income, right, and in the future I'll be able to sell these for mm-hmm. a profit and get the income, right. So he made, made good, some good choices. Right. Good choices. Mm-hmm. 
just because the market has gotten a little volatile, does that necessarily mean that his decisions are not fundamentally sound anymore? No, it does not mean that. So we go back and look. Mm-hmm. I've told you the three questions you ask yourself when you're when you're the market is is volatile mm-hmm. and your stocks are down, your investments are down, whether stocks or bonds. You ask yourself, do I own quality? What's my fundamental mm-hmm. reason for owning this quality? That's the first question. Right. If I still own quality, he has gotten here. The the horse that brung him this far in the race mm-hmm. has doubled his money. Right. These are pretty doggone good companies mm-hmm. in our example. Right. Is he suddenly supposed to hate them? Huh? No. Probably not. Mm-hmm. So does he still own quality companies? And the way you ask that is go back to all these fundamentals. Right. The fundamentals that you think are important. Do they make a profit? Mm-hmm. Do they pay a dividend? Do they have a consistent set of uh, products that are being bought by yeah. a consistent number of customers? Do they do, have a good management team? Do they compete well? Right. Do they market well? I mean, all mm-hmm. these are good fundamental business questions. Mm-hmm. Ask those questions. And if those are still yes, even though temporarily, for mm-hmm. time being, the stocks are down 20 or 30%, doesn't necessarily mean that management's 20 or 30% dumber. Right. Okay? So, first question, do I own quality? Secondly, is that quality diversified? You can't talk me out of liking diversification. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you could come and show me that over the last 15 years, FANGS, or whatever your favorite is, has been the best place to have your money, and you could Mm -hmm. have beaten me on a return basis by 2 or 3% a year. Right. It's okay. I have a fiduciary responsibility to make decisions for people that will have the money there in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Not take too much risk. Right. And you may not realize it, but you're taking too much risk if Mm -hmm. all your money's in four or five stocks. That's right. Okay? Here's another thing that I see people uh, not taking real into full consideration when they start having to do something around volatility. That's tax tax consequences. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I, I think short term sometimes, and I see, hey, this one's going down, and 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 I've still got a profit in it. I need mm-hmm. to sell it. Yep. What happens if you still got a profit in it? You got tax. You got taxes. Here, here's one that I see sometimes. Uh, and it, and it kind of works in, in the opposite direction, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say that you've done the fundamental analysis. You've you've identified a security that you like, mm-hmm. uh, that you think is well poised, mm-hmm. and maybe you bought that security in January of this year. Of this year, and you, it's and it's down right now. Most things are. Most things are down right now, okay. right? All right. So you've you've done the analysis, and you you said I like this company. I think it's going to be a good investment. Et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Six months down the road, that that particular investment is down, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Through no fault of your own, the the economy changed. Whatever the stock market has had a correction. Mm-hmm. Is there anything wrong with selling that investment? Oh, now when there's a loss. When there's a loss. Okay. You can realize that loss, mm-hmm. maybe offset it with some other gains, mm-hmm. avoid the wash sale rule, and probably buy it back 30 days later mm-hmm. because you still like the investment, uh, but you're just doing a tax maneuver 
in order to realize a loss on an and investment. And you may like it even more now that it's 30% you less. You may like it even more. <laughs> it's cheaper. Which is why I said you may have something else that has a gain in it mm. that you could offset the mm. loss. And then, you know, I don't want you to get too too overloaded in one thing. Right, but right. But you might buy more of it. Yeah, and so what you're telling me is I need to be thinking about taxes. Mm-hmm. Right. On the gain side, and on the, on loss, the loss side, I, I, on the loss side, mm-hmm. have a plan related to this. Mm-hmm. But all of it comes back to my fundamental investments, right? My fundamental analysis, what I mm-hmm. think I need to own, how diversified I think I need to be, the mm-hmm. asset allocation I should have. Sure. And I don't need to throw all that out just because we got a little bit of volatility. No, you don't. But it's hard to hang on, Bubba. It is. I think I have to do something. Mm-hmm. But maybe the thing I have to do is not necessarily buy or sell. Maybe the thing I have to do is to convince myself, spend the time that I'm trying to go through the list of my investments mm-hmm. to determine what I'm going to sell. Right. And maybe spend that time going through my list of investments, determining which ones I still think are fundamentally Good right. companies. Correct. I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. I'm taking some action. Yep. I'm trying to address my portfolio, mm-hmm. but I didn't necessarily do anything that was disastrous. That's right. Or extreme. Because sometimes when mm-hmm. I take actions, I take them at the wrong time. Sure. I take them for not fundamental mm-hmm. good business decision reasons. I take them just because I'm scared. Right. I take them because of psychological, because of feelings. And that's the last thing I want to point out to people. Don't let feelings rule mm-hmm. your future. Don't let emotion get in the way. Anytime you let feelings rule your future, whether it's financially, mm-hmm. emotionally, relationship-wise, where you go to church, where you go to school, who you're married to, anytime mm-hmm. you let feelings rule, probably not a good outcome. Right. And it really shows itself during times of volatility related to your investments. Just our point of view about mm-hmm. some mistakes people make at times of volatility from the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. The discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the 
the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an advisor's roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planters, LLC. Ignite Planters, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.